0: If I hear about a deal, it doesn't matter where it is because I have the same tools, I'll just manage from anywhere. But now learning the medium-term space, I'm like, oh, actually you should go really deep and you should Mm. pick one market or maybe two and like become that person in that market that is doing the housing. So people know you and that you're getting more referrals, right?
1: Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here today with another incredible guest. We have Ziana McIntyre, or as she's known in the podcast circuit's Z-Money, or in the nightclubs, I don't know. Is that what they call you?
0: (laughs) Oh man, the nightclubs. They haven't seen me in a while. So (laughs) yeah, Z-Money. I love it.
1: What's going on? How are you doing today?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be fun.
1: Great to have you on the show. I mean, for someone who is also a podcast host, it's always a pleasure to get on a podcast because there's usually a, a more of a natural flow when you get in front of a microphone. Some people get a little scared, get a little... You know, puckered up. They don't know what to say, when to say it. And they get a little nervous, but you yeah. are uh, a seasoned, not only podcast host, but seasoned investor. I'm just looking at your bio, looking through it here. First of all, if anyone can see the screen on the video here, she is the co author of a great book published by Bigger Pockets called 30 Day Stay, all about midterm rentals. We've talked a lot about short-term rentals on this show. We've had many guests, but not too much about midterm rentals. So excited to talk to you a little bit about that, and just in general about your journey from you know real estate investing to financial freedom. All right. Well, let's dive in. Jump right in. So, I want to give us a little bit of background. Like, when was the first time you started investing in real estate, and how did you even stumble upon that? Was it by accident? Yeah, so- was it intentional?
0: Yeah, it was accidental. I've always loved homes and I always loved design. I'm the kind of person that someone invites me in and I like. I want a tour. I want to know how you live. You know, I want to see the whole place. And so I thought for a long time I would do something in that space, but it just never really came together. So I sort of left that on a back burner. But when I was in massage school, I was 26. This is a 2011. My friend found out about Airbnb, he's living in New York City. And that's kind of like where you hear about things first. And he was in a place in his life that he had just got laid off. And he had this really expensive lease. And he's like, man, I just need to travel. I'm feeling like burnt out. And I've got this expensive lease. And I'm wondering if I can use this Airbnb thing. And, you know, travel the world instead and just cover my bases. And so after a while, it's doing so well. He keeps bothering me saying, man, you got to try this. It's just, it's killer. And I'm busy and doing other things. I live in Boulder, Colorado. So I'm thinking it's not going to do the same as something in New York. So leave me alone. Mm -hmm. But after a year in 2012, he comes back to me and says, I made $50,000 off an apartment I did not own. And then back then, $50,000 was like a starting tech salary. You know, it was like a hundred grand, you know, it felt like a lot of money. And at that age, I'd never seen that much money. I was still working, you know, hourly wage. Right. And so it really lit me up. And I thought, I said, you know what, I'm gonna listen to you now. Let's go do it. (laughs) I'll try this out. And so what happened to me is that at the same time, I was renting a two bedroom apartment. I had furnished the whole place. And my roommate was moving out. And so I thought, well, it's perfect timing. You know, I can use her room. I can try this Airbnb thing. If it doesn't work, I'll just get another roommate, you know, cut my losses. I've got sheets. I've got towels. I don't need to spend any money on this. And so it worked. And that was kind of the gateway into it. But it worked so well. I was renting out her former room. Then I was renting my room and trading with friends to go stay at their places, buying them breakfast, babysitting, doing That's whatever so I could cool. do to get out of my house. And that that eventually turned into more apartments and buying and then buying out of state. So it kind of all evolved from there.
1: That's so cool. I imagine. I mean, if I was in your shoes, just hearing that story, like if I was mm-hmm. trying to get out of my place and then you know moving into other... I would like want to travel. All right. I mean, that seems yeah. like like a natural thing. Is that anything you you started to do?
0: Yeah. So I was already a big traveler and I've now been to 48 countries. I was oh, gonna wow. say states. Like, states? Uh, do I don't think I've been states? to that many states actually.
1: <laughs> 48 I don't countries. Know how many
0: states. But yeah, 48 countries. So I've wow. been a lot of places. And so I was traveling a lot, but while I was staying in Boulder, I was also I started pet sitting. I was just trying to do whatever I could do to get out of my place because whenever I was out, I was making the most money. Mm-hmm. So I did that for probably two years of hustling between places.
1: Wow. So 40, let me, yeah. let me ask you just a question on that 48 countries. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. I haven't been to that many, um, mm-hmm. or states for that matter, but I've been to quite a bit, I think 30 something states at this point. But what's the best country or not best, but what was one thing that stood out to you, like one country that you would, Just loved or would love to go back to.
0: Yeah, I really love South Africa. There's just a lot of diversity there. So, not only with the people, because you get this mix of all these different African countries plus the Dutch. And then you don't really see the same mixes that we see in the US. Everything is kind of mixed in the US with some kind of Hispanic influence. And Mm. that's not reached there because it's just too far away. And so it's really different. You've got more of like Indian and just different cultures. And so such beautiful, unique looking people. I think it's like 11 national languages. So you're hearing so many languages in the streets and there's a lot of music, a lot of jazz and the buildings are so colorful, like in the Caribbean. There's just a lot to like. Yeah. It's a really magical place.
1: And there's some great safari, like you go out into the...
0: Yeah, yeah. Surfing song. and mountain climbing and all kinds of stuff. So much. Yeah. Wow,
1: cool. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad I asked you. It's one country I have not yet been to, but I've definitely seen pictures and heard great things from people that I know who have lived there. So appreciate yeah. that. Let's move back to you know, you co authored this book, 30 Day yes. Stay. It's a recent publication, correct?
0: Yeah. Officially launched from Bigger Pockets five days ago. <laughs> no, really?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, I saw this before. I don't know how long ago. Maybe I saw it in the pre release. Yeah. I feel like I've seen this already for a while. Five days ago. Okay. So obviously, this podcast is going to air later than, but you guys go check out. We'll put a link in the show notes to the 30 day stay. Bigger Pockets, check out. They also have tons of incredible books out there, resources. If you guys haven't checked out the Bigger Pockets bookstore, besides for the podcast and all the other things in the forums, it is a wealth of information, so many different things. Including this, midterm rentals. Tell us about what midterm rentals are. I mean, I know, but maybe your audience doesn't. We've had many people talk about short-term rentals, vacation rentals, but midterm is like a new thing to us. So enlighten us as if, I I don't know what this is.
0: Yeah, so it's 30 Days or More, which is the name of the book, you know, 30 Days Stay. so that makes it easy, but yeah. So what you generally see in this space is like a 90-day stay. But it's anything over thirty days, and the reason for the ninety days is that travel nurses are a lot of our tenants, mm. and they get thirteen-week contracts, which end up being about three months.
1: Okay, got you. So, and how do you go about finding these type of midterm rental tenants?
0: Yeah, so I kind of stumbled into it again with Airbnb. That was kind of my primary place, and then you'll find that there is a little crossover. Some. Travel nurses are looking on Airbnb. So I kind of naturally stumbled into some of them. But now I also use Furnish Finder, which is a different website where that is primarily for traveling medical professionals. But now you're seeing a lot more people use it. So you'll see students and people, you know, rehabbing a home or something where they're displaced for a short time. They'll be on that site too. So there's a lot of relocation, different kinds of tenants on
1: there. Okay, got you. One thing I've heard about the midterm rentals, which is, you know, I'm sure you covered in the book, haven't read it yet, but is that once you get past 30 days, a lot of states or cities have certain rules regarding tenant rights, including, you know, the inability to evict someone from your property. Whereas with short, you know, traditional short term rentals, which are you know, just vacation rentals or, or short term, less than 30 days, they don't have any tenant rights per se. And you can, you know, if someone is just staying in your property, squatting, as they call it, you can just call the police or, or get rid of them. Is that a challenge that you've actually encountered or come across ever? Or is it just kind of something out there? As a- Yeah,
0: I think, you know, people often go to the worst case scenario, right? It's like anytime they're considering something, they're like, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? And so I do hear this eviction thing. And it does come up. Probably more so in states like California, where it's even hard to evict someone. But I think the thing about medium term is that a lot of times people are already on their way out. So I find that we'll have digital nomads where they're in Denver for a month and then they're going to Austin and they're going to Hawaii and they've, they've got a a plan. They're going somewhere else. Same with the travel nurses. They're going to get an assignment before they're even done with your place in their next city. So I haven't had that where anybody tries to stay longer. They sometimes extend, but not in the like trying to stay for free sort of way. Right.
1: right. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it also probably has to do maybe with, you know, where you're finding your tenants. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's a big thing in general. And yes. The locations I and mean, where are, if you can share with us, like where are your rentals? across the Oh my God, all over
0: the place. That was Uh not a good plan in my (laughs) book. At the time, I was trying to be diversified and I had started in the short-term rental world. So I had managed properties all over the country. I had a stint that I was a property manager and co-hosting for people. And so I was like, well, I'll just follow the deal. If I hear about a deal, it doesn't matter where it is because I have the same tools. I'll just manage from anywhere. But now learning the medium-term space, I'm like, oh, actually... You should go really deep, and you should mm. pick one market or maybe two and like become that person in that market that is doing the housing, so people know you and that you're getting more referrals, right So my places are in four states. I'm in Colorado in three markets in Colorado. I'm in Florida and two markets in Florida. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and then I'm also in Washington state, and so oh, wow. really all over
1: that's cool. <laughs> So when you say you yeah. really, you know, just followed the deal, you, you're serious. You're just like going all over. I mean, that's from yeah. Florida to Washington. You can't really get much further than, apart Totally. Than that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I do a lot of investment consulting. So I'm talking to people and they're always just telling me about new markets. And I'm like, wow, never heard of that. Let me look into it. And then it works. So, you know, we'll see. Okay. Everything changes over the time. So...
1: Yeah. And when I mean, you're absolutely right when you're talking about going deep and finding a market and really becoming like the go to expert or something. I mean, that's really yeah. with everything in real estate, especially if you can niche down and you can become that go to person for that specific thing. It's much more likely people will remember you and you'll stand yeah. out. And I think that's one of the benefits of branding in general. But, you know, especially when you're talking about a specific market, you get to be known, especially, you know, if you're dealing with traveling nurses and they're all going to the same, you know, hospitals or medical facilities to travel to, uh, you'll probably get some good reviews and you'll get some good references, also referrals from other nurses instead of going directly, you know, through these platforms. I'm sure it'll come back through directly through the clients as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot here and just ask you for a couple, if you would, just a couple really good tips in terms of turning your rental property, whether it be short-term, mid-term, long-term, but I guess you can focus on the mid-term because that's really what you're focusing on now, turning that into a place where people really want are attracted to or people want, really want to go to.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it really starts with your marketing and what people don't realize is like you have this one thumbnail (laughs) on these websites. You're just literally one photo. And so I'll have people call in and we'll talk about it and they'll say, I don't know why my place is not renting. And then I'll look at their ad and the first photo is like, I don't know, a chair in front of the front door because it's got like a pumpkin on it and it's Thanksgiving. I'm like, that is not nobody. Everybody's scrolling right past that. You know, you've got one second to sell people. You really got to make it shine. So I'm all about pro photos. I'm all about really stylish decor. You'll see on Airbnb. So general short-term rental platform is that you're going to see there's a lot of designers and boutique hotels that have come into the space Mm -hmm. and really taken over But in the medium term space in furnish finder, it's a lot of mom and pops. It's granny basements. And so they're not that professionally done and they're not that nice. Mm. And so nurses have been staying in those because that's all they could find. It's that or motel six, right? So if you come in and you've got really beautiful furniture and something that looks super cozy with throw blankets and stuff, they're super excited. You know, it's a lot of women. So you got to play to that. Make your places really nice. Don't just like minimalist. You know, college dorm, make it look like that, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's really yeah. good advice. That's awesome because you're absolutely right. It really, you're going to scroll right by if you're not impressed. And especially yeah. when you have a plethora of choices on Airbnb or, or VBRO, whatever you want to call it, um, Verbo, what do I call it? It's
0: Verbo. It's VRBO. Vrbo. Vrbo Vacation right? rental by owner.
1: Right. Those are platforms where once you go on there and you see these, and they're showing you. The I guess the algorithms or whatever show you like, you know, the best properties or whatever that are going to stand sure. out the most. So it's hard to stand out when you're, you know, a starting out owner or just have one or two or a couple properties.
0: Yeah. So, you know, all that SEO works from clicks. So you need to get clicks and then those clicks continue to throw you to the top. So oh, yeah, so you've got to have something that's clickable.
1: Very interesting. Good to know. Okay. So those are already two amazing tips right there <laughs> for us. You also, I mean, we can throw in a hundred things into this podcast over here because we have such a short time, but I want our audience to kind of get to know you and get to know what's behind, you know, what's driving you. I mean, is there something that has led you starting out on accident and then moving into the space, doing consulting, doing the whole thing, buying, you know, 10, 12 properties, wherever, all over the country and what's really the drive. I mean, is it the financial freedom. I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but what's driving you to continue growing this?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's just the hustle. Like I love the art of the deal. And I talk about kind of being addicted to buying homes. It's like, I think in my mind now having been in real estate investing for 10 years plus is like, yeah, I could probably just invest everything in syndications and sit back and not do anything you know, and that's probably a really smart way to go. (laughs) But I am a real estate agent too. So I'm looking at properties all day for my clients and it just makes me want to (laughs) buy. So I am stuck in that a little bit where I love negotiating. I love getting a property. I love furnishing it and getting it going. So that's not going away.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's awesome. If you are driven, you have something, you know, fire kind of burning in you just to keep doing the deal and keep keep getting another property, another one, just keep it going. I mean, eventually you'll find a way that, okay, maybe this is enough, but you are the co-host of a podcast. I don't know if I mentioned this at the very beginning, but you are the co-host of a podcast called, what is it called again? Financial.
0: Investify.
1: (laughs) That was really bad on me, right? (laughs) Investify. Invest to FI, FI is financial independence, right? Yes. That's a big driving factor for a lot of people. I mean, is that Being the co-host of a podcast like that, I'm sure you come across a lot of people or talk about different ways where people can become financially independent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Craig and I both achieved financial independence in our, like I guess, mid to late 20s. And so we saw how fast it can happen when you use real estate. I still think that if you just follow the general tenets of the FIRE community and invest in index funds, you could probably do it in 10 years. But if you use real estate, it's a supercharger. And I've seen people do it in two, five years, something like that. And so, yeah, we're big believers in it. And we're collecting those people's stories. So if you guys are interested, go check out our podcast.
1: All right, Invest2Fi. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes and definitely going to check that out myself because it is something that is driving so many people. To And I'm so blessed to speak with incredible people like yourself on this show who have you know, achieved that as well, and at a relatively short period of time, and pretty much everyone through real estate, which is just incredible yeah. to me. So, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you haven't really gotten it yet that you can become financially independent through real estate on the plethora of different ways that we've had guests on this podcast talk about, I think it's about time that you really take some action. So, Ziana, can you give our listeners maybe one? or two, or three, or 10. I don't care. Just tell them something about it. Something they can do to take action today.
0: Yeah. So I think it's really good to get good at running numbers because numbers don't lie. I mean, there's a lot of emotions that come into real estate. You can fall in love with the house. I do every day, practically. But when you really get into that spreadsheet, it really tells you, hey, this is a deal, or this is not a deal. And you see all the levers that you can pull to make a deal. And so, Running numbers is great. The other thing I think is really important, just because of the way our market is right now, with high prices still, high mm-hmm. interest rates, is study creative financing. Get to know what your options are there. Seller financing, subject to, there are a lot of ways that you can take over properties for less down than you think. Mm-hmm. lower interest rates, just all kinds of cool, creative stuff out there, but it's a little bit complicated. So do your homework, but you know, there's YouTube university get out there and just start listening and reading stuff. Uh, definitely. Yeah.
1: There's so many, so many good tips there. I'm not a huge numbers person, even though, you know, I do the cost egg, and that's, that's my thing, but, <laughs> but numbers. All numbers? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, we have accountants and engineers and those people that are really the experts in yeah. doing the actual CASA studies, I just kind of talk about it and yeah, you know, pump it up to the world. But it's something that to me, when I look at numbers on a financial statement or looking at underwriting a property, trying to figure out if it's going to work or not, it's difficult You know, if you never learned it. Yeah. But like you said, there are so many courses out there and there's great books. And we had Rob Beardsley on the podcast not too long ago. I has an incredible book about underwriting. So guys, they're just excuses, really. I mean, we have excuses yeah. all the time that are... You're holding us back from taking action, which is why I love to ask the guests, you know, what's one you know piece of action? What's something you can tell our listeners to do and jump out of their comfort zone and just do today?
0: Yeah, you know, real estate's really forgiving. That's one thing I've seen over the Mm -hmm. 10 years of owning real estate is that I've bought some properties and I held on to them maybe five years and I've sold them since. And I know a lot of people talk about, oh, never sell anything in real estate. But you'll find that you buy some problem properties, something that's really old or needs lots of maintenance, and that's just not quite what you're willing to do, or something about the location, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you can still make great money trying something out and then realizing later, hey, actually, my favorite asset class is small multifamily. So I don't want these single family homes and then switch out of them. It's not like you're stuck forever. So sometimes you just got to get in there and try.
1: That's incredible advice right there. I mean, especially you're one, you know, you said yourself, you started with the short-term rentals and then kind of transitioned more recently into the mid-term rentals. I mean, are you still doing the short-term? Do you still properties that are running on that basis or are they, you've transitioned?
0: A little. So all my properties, I'll still use the medium-term through the like slower seasons because mm-hmm. that helps with vacancy. But kind of just what I'm seeing in the market, it feels like with pending recession kind of weirdness, people are not traveling as much. They're a little bit cautious. And so I would rather work with people that are doing a placement for a job than something that's optional, like travel, because Mm. I don't think it's going away, but it might just be like on hiatus for a couple of years.
1: That's a really good point. Cause I have heard some pushback from not, not pushback per se, but some Complaints really from clients of mine and people I know who own vacation rentals and are getting much less occupancy than they would expect. I mean, Thanksgiving is coming up right now. We're when we're recording this episode, <laughs> you know the the holiday season is coming shortly after that, and usually you're booked out, you know, for a vacation rental, you know, three six weeks in advance, and especially for those times because they're very popular. And now people are still nothing, you know, and it's really disheartening for a lot of people when this is your livelihood and this is your business and you're expecting it to run like one and you can't have, and it's not consistent. It's very difficult to run a business without consistency.
0: Yeah. It's definitely tricky times, but there's always a way to make money in real estate. So you just got to kind of like change with the times. that's why we're adapting into the medium term space.
1: Oh, good for you. That's amazing. And you've shared a lot of that information and that wealth of knowledge that you've experienced yourself in the book. So I'm excited to check it out myself definitely it's on my reading list. And we're going to ask you for another one also very shortly, because we're going to transition to what we'd like to call now the final four. These are four questions I ask all my guests. So first question for you, Ziana, is what is the worst job that you ever had?
0: It's funny. I don't know that I've had a lot of bad jobs. I just am not a good employee. That's the thing that I'll say is like, when you're entrepreneurial, you always think you can do it better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, a different way to go. And so it's more that it's the people I've worked with that I've had a hard time with. So Mm -hmm. I'd say (laughs) the last like job that I had was working at a dispensary here in Colorado. And yeah, I just had a really hard time with my manager. So that would probably be the thing. It's just everything she did, I thought could be done differently.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's really, you know, sums up what an entrepreneur is, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. You haven't had a lot of bad experience. But being financially independent and you're your own boss and you're running your own businesses, that's the best. You don't have to worry about yeah. that. There's always I good to maybe know. I should
0: have said me, I'm my own worst boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not good. <laughs> Work you know myself what, that, so hard.
1: <laughs> that's not good. You should be kinder to yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So second question is, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift?
0: Yeah. So this is interesting, but I would say The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. I just thought that book had a lot of like philosophy and spirituality. Hmm. And it's funny because I tried to read it again. It was like my favorite book. And then I tried to read it again, maybe a year ago. And I was just like, I cannot even read this. And I really think there's something about catching a book at the right time when it's like everything that you can actually take in at that moment. And yeah. So at the time that book really shaped me.
1: You know, and I think this is a really important point you brought out there. It's something that I asked this question, what's giving you a paradigm? It doesn't have to be the latest paradigm shift because we go through so many stages in our lives and hopefully we're constantly reading books that are changing the way we think about different things. And that's really the point of the question to kind of bring something out. So that's a book I don't think I've come across before. So we'll definitely put that in the, on the reading list and in the show notes for our listeners to check that out, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And you know, hopefully you will come across another book that will help us open our mind to different things in the world. Third question, which we're gonna move into now is, and you can take this any which way you want, which is what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn?
0: So maybe this is a little bit cheating, but I am just at the beginning of my creative finance journey and I'm at this place of like negotiating the first few deals, trying to sell a couple of my places on seller financing so that I can understand what it's mm. like on the sale side. Oh, cool. You know, but I I would love to really master that because it's just the most like intricate but interesting thing that I've come across in real estate lately. And I love how like feverish I am about learning. Like, I just want to watch all YouTube videos. So it's been fun to have that craving.
1: Yeah. I mean, that to me, the fact that you're willing to like go through that process and sell some of your own properties through that so that you can acquire that experience of what that's like from the seller's perspective so that you can better understand it. That's incredible. I mean, I think that's just a brilliant way to approach a business model, right? Feel it from the other point of view. And so you can really understand the other person. Because that's really what successful business transactions, you know, come about is when you can really understand the other party. So that's pretty cool. I was just in Denver not too long ago and filmed a podcast with Terrence Doyle, hasn't aired yet, on the Bigger Pockets Multifamily Mentors podcast. And he talked a lot about seller financing and creative financing. And he had a guest, he told me. Hopefully, I'm going to have as a guest on this show as well a guy by the name of Cody Davis. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was on Bigger Pockets Podcast as well. And he's like 22 or 23 years old or something and has uh, like focuses on seller financing. And he's done like, I don't know, like 10, 20 million dollars in deals uh, already through awesome. that method. So, something, you know, definitely a lot of content out there. So much to learn, but that's a cool. That's a really cool skill or talent to learn. Seller financing, creative financing. Awesome. Fourth and final question, what does success mean to you?
0: I feel like so many things in my life are an intersection of like freedom and spirituality. It's like, I just want to be this like super Zen version of myself. And it doesn't always come out that way. But what brought me to financial independence is this desire for freedom. And the thing that happens to me is I get so busy and excited that I give up a lot of my freedom by building businesses or starting a new thing or committing to a mastermind or whatever it is. And I have to kind of bring myself back and say like, wow, I have everything I need now. How do I take care of like my spirit, my energy, my nervous system over just chasing a number of properties or a dollar amount or cash in the bank? So something in there, (laughs) that makes any sense.
1: It makes perfect sense. That's extremely (laughs) important. No, I'm a very spiritual person as well. And, you know, being spiritual doesn't necessarily conflict with being involved in business and being involved in, you know, taking care of it. I think it's a really important thing that we need to learn. It just means being grounded and being connected to, you know, a higher being. If you believe in that, right, there's a creator and being connected to you know what your goals are in life and your values and just making sure that your businesses and whatever other things that are occupying your time aren't conflicting with those values that you hold true. And so I think that's really like what spiritual balance is all about. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think that to me is a huge proponent of what success means as well. So love that, love that answer. And finally, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you?
0: So my website, com is just my name, but you can also find me on Instagram at zianamcintyre. And that's where I do the most interacting with people. I answer all my DMs. So check me oh, out cool. there. There's lots of places, YouTube, Facebook. I'm in all of them. <laughs> all right.
1: LinkedIn? Are you on LinkedIn yet? I'm on LinkedIn okay. and
0: on TikTok. And, yeah. Oh.
1: It all just right. goes
0: on and on. But Instagram's okay.
1: the easiest one. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll make sure to put all that in the show notes and hope our listeners can reach out to you and hopefully they'll pick up the book as well. Cause it looks like it's going to be something we'll we're all going to learn a thing or two. And I'm really interested as well as I'm continuing my real estate investing journey, trying to pick up a couple of short-term or maybe now midterm rentals. We'll see. But It's been really great speaking with you and catching up today. I appreciate you taking the time.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: And to our listeners, thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. Once again, and remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.